welcome to the testing review for the Winging It F1 podcast. 2023 Formula One is days away from competitive running. We've had the testing, the three-day test in Bahrain, and we're raring to go for our fourth F1 season as the Winging It F1 podcast. I'm Freddie. I'm going to be hosting our little testing roundup today, and I'm with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu, who are also going to be talking about their favourite and least favourite and wacky wacky reviews of testing adam how are you are you wacky uh yeah i yeah um, wackiness is amps up to 11 so i'm ready to take <laughs> on this review of testing um yeah spent a lot of time on my sofa watching testing so i'd need to mm. i need to get out more is yeah the the takeaway my main yep. takeaway from take testing we knew that anyway nigel oh. someone who's a social butterfly who's always getting out a lot <laughs> um, how was it how was it returning to the Returning to your, the corner of your bedroom with a laptop to look at testing times and criticise. Uh, it was, it was not that funny, Adam. Stop laughing, man. We laughing at the Adam's fake laughing or not. It's quite demonic. It's terrifying. I don't even know what that D word means. Demonic? Yeah, what does that mean? Figure it out. Come on. Dominoes? Yeah, yeah sure. that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, right. I did have a pizza dinner. It wasn't Domino's, but yeah, well, that was in London. Uh, anyway, what was your question, Freddie? How are you? Good. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Same question that he asks every episode. <laughs> the only time it's not asked is when you're presenting. And you yeah, go, you just oh, go, no, right. I don't, no I don't believe in asking people. <laughs> you know we're how we dis- are. <laughs> we've already, yeah, we've already talked about it. We know how everyone is. Let's just get on with the podcast. But Nigel, we weren't recording then, so people don't know. Ah, it doesn't matter. We know, and that's all that matters. And you usually make some inappropriate comment that either Adam or I have to edit out. Um, Except we don't. We don't, no, because we like stitching you up, as we are now. But anyway, um, someone who also likes to stitch other people up is Red Bull Racing, because they were the best team in testing. That was terrible. Um, Max Verstappen probably does like to stitch people up, to be fair, with his carrot. Is he a medical professional? Oh, I thought he meant Max is in... No, I'm... I'm, 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 Okay. Um, <laughs> Rebel looked basically untouchable in testing, which is hard to do. You couldn't really point at them and say anything wrong that happened. They lost a little bit of bodywork at the start of the second day, perhaps. But apart from that, I don't think there was anything you could point to that was negative about Rebel, apart from probably domination. But it depends on your opinion of that. They lost a sensor on the third day. That they was, lost a sensor was, on the third that day. That was negative, I guess. But I don't. It wasn't needed because the car was so serene. I don't think they're as dominant as people think. Well, I don't know how dominant you think they're going to be, but I don't think they're that far ahead. I think because Christian Horner, he said they were running an unusual, different testing program, and I kind of looked at that. And from what I saw, the first day, Verstappen's long runs were rapid. Like he was in the thirty sixes, and the only other. Driver to driver to driver to get in the one thirty sixes the whole week of testing was uh, Fernando Alonso was rapid uh, racing on the final day, so it looks like to me Red Bull chucked everything at the first day and then experimented on the second and third days, but tested different setups and different parts and that kind of thing. So they kind of the best day was the first day, and then after that they just kind of did their own thing. Was everyone else kind of uh, did the best stuff on the final days or final two days. So I think they are ahead. But it, 
equally wouldn't surprise me if they're only a tenth or two ahead when it comes to qualifying. And then race pace, yeah, maybe they'll have better tie wide than Ferrari and Mercedes. But I don't think they're going to dominate the early part of the season from what I've seen. That's interesting. Um, do, you, do you think there's an argument that throwing all guns at day one then allows, cause then, then allows them to be so confident that they can be experimental and weird on day two and three? Rather, rather than having to sort of do an ordinary testing program because they've got a bit more in the bag, do you think? Potentially, potentially. I think, well, that's the thing, isn't it? The fact they were so quick straight out of the blocks, which has been a general trait of Red Bull over the last 10, 12 years, apart from 2020, maybe, when uh, the early parts of that one, Racing Point will be them. Apart from 2020 and maybe one or two other years, the car's been super quick straight away, you know, in free practice one on race weekends. So it's easy to easy to drive. Both drivers seem pretty happy with it. Obviously, they're not going to tell us too much. Uh, but I know Helmut, <clears throat> Helmut Marco take this with a pinch of salt if you want. He did say they found a balance which both drivers are happy with. So yes, you could say you know them being quick on quick on day one and doing all the stuff on the other days is ominous <laughs> to use that testing word. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me hoping that the other teams are closer. I just don't get the feeling that they are as good as people think. I think. Adam, what's your rebel evaluation? Um, well, it's just if they could do that on the first day and have the quickest or like joint quickest race sim on the first mm-hmm. day, and Alonso was the only other one who could echo that, then that kind of seems more ominous in a way because they could get that done straight out the blocks and then get down to actually testing the car. So, whereas the other team had more of that benefit and then went into that race and just that's what you're saying so yeah I, i'm not i don't know like um like both of you i'd like there to be some competition but it did seem very ominous in that they were fastest on the race runs and fastest on when it looked like everyone was going you know for the fastest time at the end of the session obviously fastest times in testing is always a pinch of salt but yeah it's it, it's just like when when you when you look at it i think there's just not a reason when I look at that, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't be favourites going into Bahrain. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 feel, I feel they are definitely favourites. I just don't think they'll dominate. Although it depends on what we think dominate. Like, it's not going well, to be 2014, 2015, easy. 2016 Mercedes dominate. No. It's going to be do, you think like... do you think they could easily win it? Mm. They will win the first race, but I don't think pole position will be easy. I think okay. Ferrari... They've got sort of the bag, uh, which we'll get on to. Well, yeah. Well, speaking about Ferrari, moving on to Ferrari, um, obviously last year's um, out the blocks winners won two in Bahrain in 2022 uh, at the advent of this rule set. Um, I would argue they've had a weird testing program as well, but they've been running sort of similar programs with each driver and have, have been pretty, you know, if you, if you, if you, looking at all the times and things like that, if you compare it between Sainz and Leclerc, they've been pretty close to each other. So they're definitely getting the same things out of the car, which is encouraging, um, particularly at an early stage. On performance, um, tyre wear doesn't look, looks like to be a gremlin still. Uh, for Ferrari, they had a few issues with that last year. Um, and But the power unit seems to be reliable and decent. No sort of qualms with that um 
Where do you guys put Ferrari then, really, if we if we think? Because I, th- I think there's an argument that could be made that um, that they're, they're, they're actually, their strength, which is qualifying form, isn't going to be as strong this year. Well, they seem pretty happy with the test, um, especially on the by the end of the third day. There were kind of a few more pensive looks on the first day, but actually they did yeah. look like they had found something as the test went on, as did a few teams, to be fair. But yeah, I I still think it will be more of a strength. I think I think qualifying will be more of a strength than their race day, but I think it'll be less of a strength, and I'm not sure their race pace, race running, tire wear will be able to bridge that gap, to be honest. So it's a weird one because I think Red Bull... I think Red Bull are further away from Ferrari now than they were last season. But like in general, I think the pack has closed up to where they are in terms of pace, but I'm just not sure Like there is that battle at the front, kind of. So yeah, I think as a whole, like the field is closer, but actually we may not see that, especially at the start of the season, because I'm not sure Ferrari have it to take it to obviously it's only one track obviously it's testing all those caveats but certainly the Bahrain Grand Prix I don't really think that Ferrari without you know something going wrong with Red Bull I don't think that they have it to win I think Ferrari out of the big three teams are saving the most because weirdly I don't know why it's the reason the rear wing they ran they ran for the whole test was a low downforce uh, sorry was a yeah, it was. It was no. It was a high down. No, was it a low down? They ran a rear wing, which wouldn't be the one they're going to use next weekend. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was like, high down force. Yeah. Uh, so I think they've got a lot more to come just from that. And from what the drivers were saying, especially sides, uh, last year they went for a lot of fast lap times in testing. That's why we all got so excited about them. Whereas this year they've done the complete opposite. They've not done many flying laps at all. Yes, Leclerc did uh, a fast one in the last morning session, so I said one fast one in the final evening session, but he did focus a lot on testing as he meant to do it during testing, and I think they are trying to find their weaknesses, and yes, their tyre wire didn't look great, but Bahrain is the most high-deck tyre circuit apart from Barcelona, maybe, on the whole calendar, so yes. I think Ferrari were experimenting the most out of the big three teams, and they definitely didn't show their hand in one lap pace. I'd even go as far as saying, I've got a feeling they can still fight for pole position next weekend. It's it'll be it'll be an interesting one to see, particularly with the tire wear. You raised that point. The the softest tires that were used in this test that were producing good times won't mm-hmm. be on, on offer come race weekends because of the allocation Freddie are providing. Um, I, I I would. I would I'll pick your brains on this one with Ferrari. Do you think they ever did proper low fuel running? No, I don't think so. I think they've got a lot to come, which is why I've I'm still I think it's the team with the biggest question mark out of the whole grid actually. Uh interesting. But, I agree with that. Yeah. I I wouldn't be too doom if you're a Ferrari fan, I wouldn't be too doom and gloom because just the, the way Ferrari are. Yeah. We we've had we've had the um all the the sort of traditional Ferrari bingo games the sort of um positive noises from Marinello through the off season kind of thing <laughs> that oh they've got the best power unit all that kind of stuff and oh they're not going to be a number one driver the classic Ferrari preseason uh calling cards um, Fred Vasseur seems to be a welcome improvement to 
to that team. There seems to be no sort of disagreements and everything. The, the projection is good, but admittedly, yes. not, we're not in the, the thralls of the season. You're right. Zero yeah. races. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Zero races. Um, but yes, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, Ferrari. And I think also another interesting one is Mercedes, who uh, obviously were the third fastest team. We're in their sort of Mercedes no man's land, sort of A class and a half before the B class midfield of <laughs> Formula One last year. Um, there is obviously a lot riding on them in terms of expectation for this year. Is this the year they can they can bring it back to the Mercedes we are used to for the for the turbo hybrid era? But it's 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 not been plain sailing for them. You could say they've had teething issues that have been different on each day. They've not really been able to close on consistency across the test. It's been we've been had some busy evenings throughout their test as well. So, and and Lewis Hamilton is quite visibly think and quite vocally playing down their chances. Classic Lewis Hamilton, but you know, in a test, it's 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 quite specific what he's saying about uh, sort of the fact that yeah, no porpoising, but all the balance issues are still there and and. And, you know, we've got rid of one problem, but we've kept a lot of others, basically. And that's quite specific to say in the test. Adam, what do you think about where Mercedes are at with their, with their sort of with their, their doubled down, very weird shaped boat of a car? I I think it's it's definitely a step forward from where they were last season. And I kind of back, I think over the course of the season, they probably... Well, I, th- I think they'll be more competitive than where they might be at the first few races. But yeah, I think to start with, they are, I'd say, clearly the third best team or clearly not in the top two best teams um, because we'll get on to Aston in a minute. But yeah, I think the drivers look a lot more comfortable in the car. But like you say, they are very downplaying their chances at the start of the season. They're saying we're not going to be in the championship fight at the start of the season, but we think and we hope that we can come through. So, yeah, that I think that tells its own story, really. I don't see, I don't really see why they'd be that specific about it if you know they're not, they they think that they are at the front and can compete for the race win at the start. So, yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm not all doom and gloom on Mercedes either, really. Like you said with Ferrari, um, I'd say don't despair, but it may again, it may take a while to for you know the efforts to show through and actually to be able to work on this car through the season. But I, I don't think, you know, it's clearly they're in a much better position from last season, which I think is the main, I guess, headline and main positive that they'll take away. Yeah, much better than testing last year. I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. The bounce of the car looks a lot better. Hamilton was, I don't know if he was intentionally driving over the limit, but he was, had some massive oversteer slides. I mean, he did this a couple of years ago in 2021 as well. And then he went and won, then won the first Grand Prix, albeit a bit controversially, of course, with it track limits and that kind of thing. Uh, so I think that was a case of Hamilton just pushing the limits a bit rather than the Mercedes having big balance or oversteer problems. It just did seem to be a lack of pace in race sims and over one lap uh, because, and obviously we don't know the fuel loads and that kind of thing, but if Perez is, what, three tenths faster than Hamilton, you'd expect Verstappen to be at least half a second faster than Hamilton perhaps. And then the race sims especially from, I think it was Russell on the Saturday before he broke down, didn't look that promising at all. Aston Martin were faster. Uh, but then I think Hamilton had a pretty good final session. Uh, so, 
it's tricky with Mercedes. I think they are behind Ferrari. I think they are closer to Red Bull compared to what they were in the first race last year. It's almost a continuation of the second half of last season, I'd say, in terms of the big three teams. I think Red Bull still got a bit of an advantage. Ferrari can still challenge in qualifying for me. They just didn't show it in the test. And then obviously, and then Mercedes are kind of in between, but then are kind of third overall. So, and then we have to see the true race pace at a full blow Grand Prix weekend. So, it looks like they've all made, to me, a similar amount of improvement. I mean, you guys possibly think Red Bull a bit more, but it's to not a million miles away, Mercedes. And I think the deficit they will have is recoverable during the season, especially with Red Bull's uh, budget cap. Penalty. I mean, just just quickly, they did seem to improve a lot through the test. They had the breakdown on at the end yes. of day two, but yeah. they had. Um, but in terms of the racings, I think Russell's on the morning of day three is the one to look at because they did on day one. It felt a lot more pessimistic around them, and Hamilton's um, racing was shorter anyway. But I think it's yeah. Russell's that is the one to look at out of that. And yes, it still wasn't as quick as um, Perez on day two, but. Yeah, it's they did seem to have improvement through the test, Freddie. Yeah, you're right to say that because that was the point I was going to make. That if you look at the third day, the, the the there's marked improvement and marked difference in the way that car is being run. Um, mm. And I do think you're right, um, Nigel, that Adam, that, that Adam, that Hamilton. <laughs> so that's a that's a mix up and a half. Um, that's a big compliment for Adam there, isn't it? <laughs> for once. Sorry, Lewis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you're right that Hamilton was pushing for extremities and was boosting the car out and around like that. I think that was for more kind of aero mapping purposes and things like that to sort of test where the car was. And there were snaps that were snaps, but there were also controlled snaps that were also there, in my opinion. And I think if you look at the car on the third day, it actually was in a very decent position. And yeah. and there will be um, a lot to build on for that going into the first race weekend. This is how they build on that with alternative setups on the car because it does if, if it's run well in one format but not well in others then that points to quite a peaky car which could be up and down throughout the season um but the car that that we're all looking at and everyone is 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 splitting hairs over for how quick actually is it is the aston martin and normally with these kind of podcasts you 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 kind of keep to a format of sort of the 2022 constructors <laughs> format, but we're not doing that. We're just going to go straight no. in with it. We think the Aston Martin is good enough to be talked about in the same vein as the the yeah. big three teams, and with Fernando Alonso at the wheel, with a car he's visibly not having to fight to get lap time out of, which is why he's been good in cars like McLaren of old and and sometimes in the Alpine. He's 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 working this car and getting pace out of it, <clears throat> and. Even though Aston Martin will be hurt by not having their continuation driver of Lance Stroll at this test, they 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 have and they've got the only drivers they've had have never driven for Aston Martin in the team process before with Felipe Drogovic hopping in as well, which we'll get onto as a side topic. Um, they've had a very positive test, haven't they? Yeah, massively. Uh, I mean, Alonso, like I mentioned before, Alonso's racing on the final day, on the final evening, when Perez and Hamilton were going for uh, fastest laps, Sonoda as well, when they were going for the fast lap times. Alonso did a full-blown race in 50-odd laps. Uh, he went C, started on C1 tyre, another C1 tyre, and C2 tyre, so the same tyres that we used at Bahrain Grand Prix uh, next weekend. And he just got faster 
and faster, and he was ridiculously consistent. And whereas every other race sim I've seen, apart from Verstappen on the first day, everyone was losing multiple seconds from lap one to lap 14, 15 by the end of the stint, like two, three seconds. So so it seems like he's, in that sense, he's got more pace to give because if it can be that consistent, he can probably push a bit harder earlier in the stint. So the lap times were just incredible. Yes, they didn't uh, go for any big one lap pace, but it's it's the long runs in testing where you can see where the car's going to be good and to be easy to drive, nice on the tyres. We know Alonso from the early Pirelli era when he was at Ferrari, he's very good on on his tyres as well. They're going to be right up there. I'd go as far as saying they could be on the podium. Like in qualifying, they might not be uh, challenging, you know, for top three, top four, first two rows. But going off the race pace, if if Ferrari still do have tyre wear tools, if Mercedes uh, don't have too much in hand, Alonso could be, you know, third or fourth on merit on Sunday, which would be incredible considering they were seventh in the constructors. The step four they have made, they've got. Uh, Dan Fallows, this is his first full, this is his first car which he's had the full which he's overseen fully. It seems like he's had a bit of an impact there because like like we saw saw like we mentioned with Red Bull, it's an easy car to drive. Maybe Fallows has had his a bit of input there to make the Aston Martin quick out of the blocks and easy to drive. And it's just all coming together. It's it's also a bit like where racing point were in twenty twenty, when they were the second or third fastest car. And obviously, a lot of the team based from Silverstone are still with Aston Martin now. So it looks like they've made by far the biggest improvement of all the teams. And I think Alonso can be on the podium on, on merit. Well, big call. But is Very it, big call. Is, yeah, I, I think it may be... I'm not sure about how they'll end the season. I think in terms of Aston Martin or... Mercedes, then I've got a clear indicator of who I think will be ahead at the end of the season. But certainly at the start of the season, then I do think they could be up there. I do think they could be pushing it. They they really seem to push. When Alonso was in the car, I think it was on the uh, evening of the first day, then he really seemed to be pushing it harder than anyone else out there. But actually, when they got into the racing, then he was still able to do that and do that across the whole course of his stint, as Nigel said. So I think maybe some of the, some of the hype maybe from the first day felt a bit inflated, but actually you did see them back it up um, later on in the test. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good way to be going into, you know, if you compare it to last season where it was a bit of a damp scrub of a test, then, you know, it is such positive momentum. Um, Alonso finally might've made a good career choice. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of the kickers is for, for once, Fernando Alonso hasn't made a sideways or downwards move. He's made a potentially an upwards move. And from where he was in, with Alpine last year, we were all sort of saying, well, it's kind of the best move he could make would have been to stay at Alpine convincingly. Mm-hmm. But no, actually, it's looking like it's looking like the heart has has ruled the head pretty well in this in this scenario. Um, I would say, based on as you say, the racing point comparison to twenty in twenty twenty, it was and, and admittedly there was a bigger hangover of an entire lockdown yes. that is stew over this. <laughs> but um, from testing for for that season, it was all can the racing Pick point challenge Ferrari? Will they will they be able to to crack the sort of the Ferrari that's not doing as well in testing as we thought it would. And then granted we saw that and racing point was legitimately um, racing the Red Bull and Ferrari were way off. So 
there's a lot that could still happen here. And I'm not saying take that as rote and believe that Aston Martin will be ahead of Ferrari and Mercedes and will be... Will they be could be. I, I think in long one case, they could yes, be. They yeah. could well be. And with a feisty driver like Alonso, um, and and who knows who's going to be in the second car for the opening races, um, uh-huh. it could it could lead to some, some decent results. I... I, I I don't think people should discount them at all. And I think it's very easy to say, oh, they'll, they'll just top the midfield. I think it's very easy to say that. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, if we want to <laughs> to make safe bets, you, you should say that. But, you know, there's a, there's a you could say that you've got Red Bull, then you've got Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston Martin as a legitimate three teams that are quite close to each other. Um, Felipe Djokovic. Okay, go, go, go. Not say Aston Martin are you know second or third is because since 2017, it's apart from the racing point in 2020, it's always been the big three or big two teams. Do you think it's always because of the last six seven years what we've seen in F1, people are always scared to put another team in? Because that's how I'm kind of feeling about it. Because looking purely at the numbers, oh, I'm definitely Aston Martin are right up there. Yeah, it's it's definitely. A difficult call to make because purely because the gap between them is so chunky there's a second between and things like that but when you break that down it's a second from pole position rather than three or four tenths realistically from the sixth fastest car so that is a gap that you could find but to legitimately be way up there it's not a gap to find so i think that's why people are hesitant and that's why i would be hesitant but if you if you drum into the facts of it as you say the facts are leading to to Aston Martin doing well, and if we look back to other teams that we've that have been called well, like Haas was called for um from one or two decent lap times was called for being okay. This they could actually be up there, and they were in twenty eighteen, um, and it made so many people angry. But it happened, so, you know. These jumps can can happen. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, yeah. and I think I mean even twenty twenty. Um, I think over the course of the season, Red Bull were. Yeah, it was it was Ferrari had dropped down. Obviously, they dropped into the midfield, but I still think Red Bull were clear of racing point, and it was it was just the you know it was still that top two, the top teams were clear of of the midfield. So yeah, I think it, it's definitely is that concern. It goes to it it covers all areas of the group, which we'll talk about later um, or on our season preview podcast. That you know there are um, that kind of I guess like seventh to 10th or 8th to 10th and then the midfield and then the top three or the top two. And it covers all areas of the grid is like whether you think teams can bridge that divide. But like you say, it's, it's got to be the most compelling case um, for, for a, 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 as long as I can remember, really. I think that, yeah, it definitely is compelling. Um, and one of the things, another storyline that lies with Aston Martin as the, you know, the, the team with all the column inches this week um, is their driver lineup because, uh, unfortunately, Lance Stroll had a had an injury prior to testing. Um, they've they've been quite cagey on the injury, and we're not going to speculate on what the injury is, but it's obviously um, nasty, and it's meant he's had to miss the test. and mm. And the assum- the working assumption is, is that he will miss the first, maybe even the first two races of the season. Um, and you know, not a great time to be injured. Looking at the 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 pace of the car, um, so he'll be annoyed at himself. But Aston Martin have for 
uh, essentially a full day of testing, two half days, put Felipe Djokovic, their reserve driver and Formula 2 champion, in the car. And Mike Crack has said he hasn't put a foot wrong and he's performed very well. Um, There have been press rumblings about Sebastian Vettel returning to the team. And naturally, um, that kind of thing is is understandably driven by the the dream Vettel Alonso lineup of sort of the 20 early 2010s being being something that people are fantasizing about and and a few uh, um undenials let's say from Aston Martin personnel but just keeping it with Djokovic do you think Djokovic um would do well if he were in the car for Bahrain race Nigel, it depends what you mean by well. But I think well, I mean, would okay. he, would I mean, I rate him quite well, high. Like, decently. I don't think he would be doing what Alonso would do. But you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he would have a like, yeah, factory think... debut in F one and would fulfil the brief of reserve driver well. Yeah, I, I think if he's within six, seven, eight of Alonso in qualifying, that would be amazing. And I think he can do that because I think I rate him quite highly given what he did in his F two season last year. MP Motorsport, who's not really seen as one of the big uh, junior teams so to dominate and win the championship like that, he must be quite good. Uh, and his testing, he didn't, put, he didn't do anything silly, he didn't do anything stupid, which is always the number one rule for any rookie. Uh, so he would do well, and he would be my choice over a Vettel or a Stoffel Yes, he is a reserve driver. That there is a part of me thinking, what is the point in having a reserve driver if you're not going to use him? Well, out of them three, I would choose Djokovic, I think. Yeah, I think it's a weird one because actually until he won the championship in F2, then his career, his junior career was pretty barren. So it was quite a, you know, that was part of the surprise of it. So, but actually what gives me the most confidence isn't that, it's that he did well in testing. You know, he seemed, like Nigel said, that he seemed to be able to push the car. He wasn't, um, you know, he, he didn't have any spins or anything as far as I can remember. He didn't have any errors. He... Um, I, in fact, I don't even remember seeing lock up, although um, I didn't watch the whole thing. But you know, he did. Um, <clears throat> he did. He seemed to be well in control of the car. And like Nigel says, if it if it's anything below three quarters of a second that he's um, the gap to Alonso, then he's done a very good job. So yeah, I, he. It's it's funny because if. You had if you had Alonso Vettel in the same team in the early 2010s, it would be like the best team rivalry that you could think of, and it would just be so like it would just be so hostile by the end, and it'd be fantastic to watch and awful to be a part of. But um, like now it'd just be kind of friendly and like happy campers really. So it'd be a weird kind of dynamic of this dream lineup that isn't how it would have been if they were both at the peak of their powers. But yeah, I'd, it'd be it'd be nice to see Vettel back with Alonso, but in terms of actually seeing new drivers on the grid, seeing new drivers given a chance, especially ones who you know haven't come from the highest backing or anything like that, which is where Djokovic is from, then, yeah, it'd be fantastic to see him given the shot. And I think he would do a competent job of it. Yeah, I think from a PR perspective, Londo Andal would make sense, I guess, because it would be amazing and everyone would get excited and Vettel would be back, yeah. kind of thing. But for performance, Djokovic, surely... The on uh, Adam's point about how Djokovic was so good, it also shows how the Aston or it underlines how good the Aston Martin is because the fact he could do that and what didn't didn't look out of place. I think you know we got got to give big credit to the engineering and technical team there as well. You've got to you've got to 
you got to do that. You're right. You've got to say Djokovic has done a very, very good test. He's, he's, his audition has been exceptional. Um, and he is contracted to be race fit in a way that Sebastian Vettel isn't, um, which I think is quite a big um, point that is easy to forget. Um, so, yeah, word will come this week, as as I'm sure those listening and you guys are aware that we'll see it might even we might even wait till wednesday or thursday before we find out who's going to be in the car out of um stroll Dragovic or surprise cameo here insert surprise cameo here um but if it ends, oh, wait. van dorn um if it is hulkenberg that'd be absolutely hilarious if some kind of weird contractual <laughs> wrangling ends up happening and mick schumacher drives the hat um <laughs> Would be weird. I mean, actually, to be honest, Mick Schumacher's hanging around. He wouldn't be a bad driver to call up. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, then you've got your dream Schumacher Alonso lineup. Look at that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it is like for, I mean, Nigel mentioned the PR point of view before, but for Aston Martin, like, what's the point? If you're then going to use Mercedes reserve driver, what's the point of having your reserve driver? Um, yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally the right thing to say. And they've used a reserve driver in the past because admittedly Hockenberg was contracted to do it and did well. So they've got they've got reason to support a reserve and to back him. So Was he yeah. contracted to do it in twenty twenty? Uh he was for the Nürburgring. But not for Silverstone. Not for not the for Silverstone. Silverstone. Silverstone he was like driving to a race in Germany. Silverstone he was in Germany yeah, <laughs> in the morning. He was racing like Touring cars there or something, wasn't it? Oh, was he? I didn't know that because I think there's a yeah. picture they put online of him on the phone with a pastry like, or a massive cake or something. It's like, being like, yeah, on the was... like, oh, I've just been phoned by Otmar. Yeah, he's <laughs> getting ready to compete in like, yeah, German, German touring cars or something and then got then got the call to go and race F1 instead. And he's back. It's worked. He's back in Formula One. So mm. this, the reserve work. driver gig works if you if they if they let you reserve. Um <laughs> anyway, moving on to what was the fourth fastest team last year, Alonso's departed team, Alpine. Uh, Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, both, you know, performing all right. Didn't again, that team probably didn't really put a foot wrong, I think, but didn't really show their hand either. So I think we've kind of just got to take it at face value. They'll be in a similar position, don't you think? Yeah, I I think maybe yeah. there's, uh, I I think there's been maybe a bit too much negativity about Alpine. I think actually they, yeah. I think they've got a lot of promise. They maybe were, they seem to have some bad porpoising, particularly at the end of the session, but you also don't know teams were running their cars to try and find where they had porpoising. So you don't know kind of what the cause of that was and where that's come from. So yeah, I think maybe some of the worries have been a bit overblown. They've got a good driver lineup. They've got, you know, I think that fundamentally they've got a good car and it's, if Aston Martin didn't have a car that was like potentially being a podium in the first race, then it would be a nice battle between them. But I think they definitely, for me, they've got fifth locked down so far. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. There has been a bit of negativity about Alpine. I think uh, he said they've got a big upgrade coming for the first race uh, this weekend. So I think that suggests that they've got a good baseline car and the reliability and how the car was performing and testing different things and now they're going to put a bit more performance on and we'll see the uh, their forehand as well so they potentially close the gap to Mercedes and Ferrari 
but yeah, I certainly don't think they're in an awful place. I think they're probably in a similar, they've probably got a similar deficit to what they had in the second half of last season, probably. Yeah, I think it's a team you can rely on to be doing all right and to be doing decent performances. I think it's, I think it's, I think you both have made correct assessments. I agree with what you've said. Mm. Um, and I, I'd be happy to see them continue where they left off with, with 2022, where you'd have races like Suzuka, where Ocon would be in a legitimate fourth and things like yeah. that. I'd happy, I'd be happy to see them doing performances like that again with Ocon and Gasly. It's almost a shame for them because I think they, I think we're all saying that they've improved from last season or they, you know, had, have the strengths that they have last season, but it's just that Mercedes have got a bit closer to the front. Aston Martin have got a lot closer to the front. So even though they've improved, then it actually probably slash might not be seen in the results and in the final standings that that improvement was there, but they've just been outgained by some of the teams that were around them. It's interesting because their goal is to be closer to third place and they could be close to third place, but be fifth. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one, but it's a, it, it does point to a on the fa- on the on face value a relatively positive preseason for Alpine, despite as you say, people being negative. Um, now sixth place is an interesting one. Who do you want to talk about for sixth? Alfa Romeo, I think. Yeah, Alfa Romeo. Adam, think... do you concur? I'd say Haas, but let's go Alfa Romeo first and then we can talk about Haas at the same time afterwards but in the same ranking well sixth is joint Alfa Romeo Haas it's interesting I think both teams last year they started off the season quite well and then they both got outdeveloped or didn't or didn't get the uh, the right yeah. de- development path across the season and it looks like a very similar thing started or, or, or right now where testing is not very good and they will be in that fifth, sixth, seventh uh, team position, and then it's about the rest of, rest of the season. But again, to improve, make a step forward, and be towards the front of, of the midfield for those two teams is very, very good. Uh, you know, so yeah, I think apart from uh, Bottas's gearbox problem on the final day, both teams ran. In fact, there wasn't really at all the whole all instance or anything actually thinking about it but yeah but both teams ran solidly got plenty of mileage long run pace wasn't amazing but it wasn't bad as well so I think they like slap bang in the midfield which is what the midfield is for yeah I, yeah, I kind I, of agree with both so. of that for both of them um, for both Haas and Alfa Romeo I think that that is a legitimate thing to say about both teams Um mm. It would be interesting to see how their seasons go. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they've learned from last year a bit more and, and could be a bit more consistent. I would, I would like, I would like to see that. That's what I'd hope for from both of them. Um, but I do think for a for a fight for your sort of eleventh, twelfth in qualifying, they're both both. It will be Hulkenberg, Magnussen, Bottas, Joe, pretty pretty tightly. I reckon. Yeah, it, I yeah. think. In terms of the race runs, then they look pretty similar. Magnussen was quicker on the C2 and Joe was quicker on the C1 and 3. Um, but it was all pretty marginal, to be honest. So I think just covering Haas, Steiner said uh, that it was their the best preseason they've ever had and they've had some better seasons than they have in recent times. So yeah, it's I think that's a definite positive. And they're just, it looks quite comfortable on all areas of the track. Um they got a lot of laps in as well. I think they were the fourth highest uh, lapping team. So it just looks very positive, but I'd echo what both of you said, that with the 
teams around them that may have more of the resources, more of the development plans than they do, then it is absolutely vital to be getting onto that early on in the season. It will be who can take their chances that really could decide the constructors' championship position between them. Yeah, and and I think that's interesting, actually, Gunter Steiner saying it's their best preseason because has have had some all right preseasons. Mm. I think we've already we've already spoken about 2018, and actually 2019 was a very good preseason for them as well. If the season didn't follow, um, I'll be I, I I am really genuinely interested in where these these teams lie because you know they 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 capitalized very well in 2022 at the start of the year and and very very definitely solidified their championship positions based on the start of the year and it worked. Alfa Romeo stayed in sixth and has stayed and um were able to hold on to eighth because if you take the points from the second half of the season they would have been ninth and tenth. So you um so they basically need to come out the blocks well. The team which doesn't look like it will do that is McLaren. Um there's been a lot of negativity around McLaren and I think the fact that we're talking about them now means that we are being negative about McLaren as well, um, it's it's a new concept of a car, but it's it looks like the 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 old changes they've made have made the car worse than it was where it finished last year, rather than a step up in any way. Adam, where do you stand with McLaren for twenty twenty three? I mean, it's not going to... And this is what I referenced earlier with Aston Martin and Mercedes is how, how high do you jump Aston Martin up and can they bridge that up? Actually, McLaren, it's the other way down is how far are you willing to drop them? Are you willing to put them back into that battle at the back and take them out of the midfield? And that's really what I'm wrestling with for my um, constructors' predictions, which we'll come on to in our season preview. But I think it's just really... They didn't get a lot of laps in. They had the issue with the... Um, I forget what it's called, but on the top of the wheel where they were having to kind of um, duct tape it on and then um, dry that. And it was just very bodged. And neither driver looked massively comfortable. Norris looked more comfortable, but he's looked comfortable with every McLaren he's driven. And this is probably at the bottom of the pile, I'd say. Piastri, you know, the last thing he needs is a difficult car to get his head around, even though he is phenomenally talented. So it's too... It it just feels like there's not... an, an there were kind of reports coming out of the team that actually it's not looking good um, internally that Norris isn't happy and how exaggerated or not those are remains to be seen. But I don't think they're going to be coming away from this happy at all. Um, so yeah, it's it's really... The only hope is the way they improved over the course of last season. But I think certainly in Bahrain, they are going to be... It's going to be quite a humbling Grand Prix for them. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, well, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about the technical team, about how much confidence in them, let's say, and that's kind of coming true now, I'd say. I will be a bit careful on McLaren because I think after the first race last year, they were, had the worst results or the worst, mm. went on a big rant about them for two or three minutes, but then they ended up being okay. But it does feel different this round. I think the team have already said they're going to bring almost a B-spec car for the after the four-week break, so round four in Baku, uh, which is a good start, obviously, the first three races. It does seem they'll be very, they'll do very well to score points, quite frankly, in the first three races. It it just looks like there's a lack of downforce. I think aerodynamically, the car is not producing the downforce they want. It's not hitting the targets. I think the team have admitted that already. So when you say that nah, in testing, if you've not hit your targets in terms of downforce, which is what F1 is all about, then you're going to be in serious 
serious trouble. It, it depends on where you set your targets. To be fair, um, if their if their yeah. targets are very easy targets and they're not hitting them, yeah, cry. But if your targets are, you know, you're wanting to be where Rebel were in the test last year and your McLaren. They would have been aiming for top midfielder, wouldn't they? Sure. Yeah. Sort oh, there. They, they should. They should have been. But um, not hitting targets sometimes can be a. You know, it, it isn't the be all and end all, but they aren't performing well. Is the other side of it? Um, do you think there's an element of that? It's just a bad car and just getting out and just completing the the test was just putting it behind them because they did have a bad test in Bahrain last year. I think Norris didn't do any running and because he had for some yeah. days because he had brake issues and but then they were on the podium in Imola. So there are there are sides of it that can be it's a team that has historically had to work in different ways and have worked pretty well to get that back. But if it's, it, um, I don't know if we're looking at it from a more of an inherent car perspective than from a just just a test bad test we don't know yet really mm, yeah I, I think it's it's the lack of comfort to drive compared to other years is really the thing that's doing it for me but um like piastri had a spin on day three but yeah it's like that's the thing with with the early season i think we'll talk about more about this last next episode but the five races over the first two months so it's you know the the kind of body of points that you can get at the end after you have had that in-season development time is a lot bigger than the body of points you can get at the start by coming out at the Bahrain Grand Prix and the Bahrain Test having a great car. So that's really the saving grace or could be the saving grace for McLaren. So it is, it's hard to extrapolate this over the course of the season, but I think certainly this isn't over an overreaction over the first race, over the first couple of races. I think. Uh, last year wasn't this bad. I feel though. I, I just obviously can't go on something based on feeling, but it just does feel and look worse. And we've talked previously about how side will leave to me. That was a sign. Just, uh, I don't. Know. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm we'll, 100% yeah. wrong. We'll see. We'll see. You know, and it doesn't look good. Even if McLaren are bad in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, it is a team that I think could still have good races in the season and I think Lando Norris is a driver to not discount even with that car um, and, and we saw just, just quickly we saw how Aston Martin they were pretty poor over the first few races as well actually but then they brought a B-spec car to Spain and then they absolutely melted along and you know uh, they went up the pecking sick. order yeah. yeah they could have been sick so and it could be a similar for McLaren to bring that B-spec I'll bring those upgrades in Baku or the or the fourth or fifth round, and then they fire on from there. But for the next three races, it I personally think they'll struggle to be in the top ten on all places. But hey, it's not all bad news because you've still got two more teams to talk about. Hooray for for McLaren, but not for them because we're going to now talk about Alpha Tauri, who, in my opinion, have one of the the worst looking liveries in Formula One since the twenty nineteen. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, that's just a personal p- viewpoint that I of a car that I don't like the look of. Um, doesn't look like it's it's gonna do much this year. Looks like it's an improvement on last year, but still a car that where you think about it, they got what one or two points finishes since in like the last fifteen races of twenty twenty two. So it looks like it's. I, I just feel like it's gonna be more of the same, and the, the car is just there. 
Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's an improvement on last year, to be honest. I think they could be worse. But worse might be slightly ahead of them, perhaps. There's absolutely nothing from what I've seen, short run, long run, the balance of the car as well, to get to a positive about, unfortunately. Uh, someone's got to be last. And AlphaTauri, just from the lap times and the balance of the car, didn't look very good at all to me. Yeah, I I agree. It's just the problem is that the other teams around them have improved and they don't really look like they have. So yeah, it might be slightly better than last year's car, but Williams will talk about them in a second. Look like they have taken that step forward. They've also got Sergeant in who looked better instead of Latifi. So that also mm. really you know incre- maybe not doubles but increases their ability to score points on those um, you know getting into the eighth, ninth, tenth places on occasion. So yeah, it's it's not. It, it's it's just kind of demoralizing really um but having said that they're not the, they're not the team with the biggest resources they're working with you know some rebel parts that from last year's car it's not they are kind of underdogs in many senses but having said that it's kind of reflecting the season i think i think they will be battling for ninth or tenth yeah yeah i i agree with that and i also agree with nigel putting williams a little bit higher um just because i think they've got a a capability with basically with Alex Albon of of getting a result really in a way that you look at mm. sort of De Vries, Sonoda and probably Sargent because he's an unknown quantity but hasn't hasn't acquitted himself badly in this test I think we should say I think um, coupled with um, him De Vries, Djokovic and Piastri really as we do, as drivers to sort of couple in as unknowns they've all done pretty well in this test in my opinion. Um, yeah, and yeah. haven't looked out of place as F1 drivers. But I, I think Albon is the sort of kicker in, in that Alpha Tari Williams group that could do well in the season. And he's got, he seems to have got a kind of a better car underneath him, still with one or two limitations, but just, just with a, a steady improvement for this year. I think the test kind of just points to that only, really. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I think the. Maybe the the kicker maybe is the engine that I think the Mercedes engine still looks slower than the Ferrari and Red Bull, so that won't help. And Williams struggled with that last season, but um, yeah, it's like it's not. It's a weird one. I was talking about this with Nigel yesterday. Is being in ninth place a win for Williams? I don't know because it's not. You know that shouldn't really be a success if they're serious about making their way up the grid. But at the same time, you've got to start somewhere, and somewhere is improving on your position from last year, and that is ninth place for them. So yeah, I'm. I'm positive. I think I'm came away actually more positive on Sargent than I was going into the test. Um, I thought he quitted himself well, especially on day two. He put in some fast times and just looked more comfortable with the car. So, yeah, it's like it's not a world beater, you know. I think we are still talking about ninth or tenth, but yeah, like we say, just being part of that pack at the back is really a step forward for them. So, yeah, it's it's a start. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with, with, with all those points. It's probably the best car since they've had since 2017, maybe. Because, I mean, four or five years, they haven't built many good cars, to be honest. So, I, I reckon probably since 2017, this is the best car looking at testing alone. So, with the first couple of performance, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to be, you know, they're still going to be pushing to get out of Q1, that kind of thing. But it should be easier uh, to get out of Q1. Than when Albon then when Albon out of it last year a few times. Yes, I agree with that. Um, right, so really that's the ten teams. Um, 
thankfully mm. there's no Andretti to make this podcast longer. Um, <laughs> but for now, shall we just go through bottom to top the official winging it F1 pecking oh. order for this end of the preseason test, the start of the Formula One season. Not where we think the constructors' championship positions are going to end. We're going to do that in a in a quick fire predictions episode later in the week. Um, but for now, our collective tenth place is Williams. Do we think? Alpha-Tauri. Not Williams, AlphaTauri. Oh, I just didn't listen to what you said. Yeah, AlphaTauri, yeah. AlphaTauri, ninth, Williams. Williams. Yeah. Eighth, are we going to say McLaren? Yeah. I, don't, I, don't I want to say McLaren those. eighth. I, yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. Seventh, Alfa Romeo or Haas? I think Haas seventh, Alfa Romeo. I Alfa like Haas a bit more. I think Haas a seventh. Casting vote. Um... I think Haas seventh, just just because Haas, but they always go. Well I think Alpha Romeo have got a bit more one pace, so that could just get. I think they could like just. No, Bottas might get tenth or ninth, and then hold on in the race. Sixth, Alpha Romeo. Then fifth, despite Alfie. despite you saying Bottas doesn't do well in midfield, wheel to wheel driving. <laughs> yeah, but he qualifies well. <laughs> yeah, but then he has to drive the race against other cars. Yeah, yeah, but, but like if the, if the cars in front of him are get if the cars in front of Bottas are getting away, then Bottas doesn't have anyone to follow. He can just hold off the others, and that's easier than following but, cars. That's my logic there. You're getting bogged down now, guys. You, you don't like him wheel to wheel. And if someone's overtaking him, they're going to be wheel to wheel. Fourth is Mercedes, yeah. or yeah, yes, fifth is Alpine. Ooh. Fourth is an interesting one. Because I've been. I'm going with Mercedes. I'll go. Though. I'll go with Mercedes as well. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that, guys. We're groundbreaking. Third, <laughs> Aston Martin. Yeah. Second, Ferrari. First, Ferrari? Mm. Nigel's Nigel's ah. still computing whether to put Aston Martin second. Can I ask? It would be so bored of me, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I'm not Alonso, obviously. Yeah, I know. That helps. Alonso could be second, you know, overall. Not in qualifying, but in the race he could be second well we've already decided sure. Nigel Aston Martin third for the yeah we have I'm just talking to myself <laughs> <laughs> that's fine you can yeah. do it. you can do podcasts on your own now we figured that one out so we can Adam and I can take a week <laughs> off and just leave you to Natter um, I've, I've got one last question how far ahead do we think Red Bull are like, is it going to be a front row count one two in the race is it going to be that good do you think not front lot not front low that. front row lockout potentially very potentially one two in the race but the driver okay. winning the first race hasn't won the world championship since 2016 so maybe they don't want that <laughs> that would <fun> start <laughs> what a start yeah. blimey <laughs> well there we are then we have a pecking order we have we have a race coming up to see where how wrong we are or how right we are because obviously we're going to be correct um and well, me and you, Freddie, were last year. Adam, not so much. I don't think we were. We didn't say McLaren were going to be and Aston Martin were going to be that far back, did we? Uh, I can't remember. I'll take it, though. Yes, I was right. And <laughs> on so that, was I. On that, on vein, that note. On that note. We'll be back later in the week with a with a with essentially a season predictions pod where we quick fire go around ourselves and say things like Nigel's going to hate Baku and stuff like that. 
Um, it's going to be a bit hectic and raucous and fun. A fun way to start the season after this quite serious, quite analytical pod- pod- podcast. I can't speak. Podcast. Um, so tune in for that later in the week and look forward to we hope you look forward to the season as much as we do have a good one everybody and look after yourselves au revoir adios bonjour